Welcome to the first Critics Roundtable of 2023. I'm your host, Naishka, broadcasting out of Resident Advisors' office in Brooklyn, New York. A very happy new year to everyone listening. I don't personally believe in New Year's because I think it's a social construct, but <laughs> regardless of whether you believe in it or not, I hope everyone's in good spirits. As some of our regular listeners know, the Critics Roundtable is a regular podcast on RA. It's a chance for staff members to discuss their favorite music as well as developments in the industry. Joining me on this edition are two faces new to the podcast. We have Natalie here with me in New York, who is part of our accounts team, and Luisa in Bogota, who is our city manager over there. I think it would be nice if we start with some introductions. Um, Luisa, tell us what a city manager does. Uh, well, a city manager uh, literally works like um, highlighting the events uh, every week uh, on the city, uh, trying to improve the awareness of the people and in the communities of electronic music communities in the city about uh, RA and engaging people with the site. And yeah, we're constantly learning and sharing music uh, and thoughts with the community in our cities. Natalie, tell us about your job. Hello, hello. So um, I am in the New York office. I'm an account manager for the Northeast of the US and also East Canada. I work with our partners, um, which are mainly nightclubs and promoters. Um, I work with them on how they use the site to basically promote their events through tickets and media. And um, yeah, I just got back from a trip to Philadelphia. It was really great, met with some some venues um, and some promoters over there, and yeah. Exciting work. I always like having people outside of the writers team to join me on these podcasts because I don't think a lot of our listeners know like the depth of the work that everyone does here. Um, so for this edition of the Roundtable, we are gonna be talking about artists, collectives, and events that we're excited about in 2023. Obviously, it's very hard to just narrow down selections to one or two choices, but we are going to try. So first up on the agenda is a party that we're each excited about attending this year. Luisa, let's start with what's on your radar for Bogota. Well, as you said, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult to pick one because there's... A lot of things going on um, this year in Bogota, but I'm looking forward to the remaining dates, dates of uh, Juliana's residence at Video Club. Video Club is one of the major clubs in the city, and her residence is called Contacto, uh, Contact in English. With it, she tries to connect artists all over Latin America and create a space for uh, straining relations between artists with developed careers and those uh, just starting in the industry. And she's also interested in creating a network of people from smaller towns in Colombia and not so known names of DJs and producers in Latin America. It is about uh, showing up for long trajectories that may need to be recognized as they should. Um, so it is focused on the underground uh, on a region and I'm thrilled about what's coming this year. A few names left are IMAPS from Chile. He's a producer and DJ and also Orieta Krem for, from Peru. 
So this gathering around the diversity of Latin American electronic music uh, sounds is really unique and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah. You know, I was reading last year that um, Colombia, specifically Medellin, has a new festival that's focused on Latin American electronic artists. So um, it's called Latino. Latineo. And it was, see, sí. yeah. and it's started by the Comeme boss, Matias Aguayo. And so that seems like a really positive development for artists in the region to have their own festival and party that, you know, international headliners will be coming to them, but the focus is on local talent. Yeah, it seems very important. It was a it was a huge festival. I, I was there, and I really enjoyed the sets of Balisucci, who is uh, also from Chile, and Juliana, who is from Medellin. And I I really love the way uh, they connect with the audience and the way they um they celebrate Latin identities and sounds without a particular mold that we have to fit in. Um, and I think that encapsulates uh, the growth of our scene right now. Sick. Yeah, hope to see more of that going mm. forward. What about you, Natalie? What's one party on your radar? Yes, so in the winter, I always dream of festivals in the summer. I think it's always on my agenda every summer to have one just fully immersive festival experience where I kind of get lost in a, a small universe that's created by the curators. Um, last year for me, that was Waking Life in Portugal. Um, I had a lot of friends from different places who all met up um, at this festival and we really went in with um, just an open mind, um, just allowing the organizers kind of create an experience for us that was just totally magical. Um, I discovered a lot of new artists. Um, shout out to Melina Cercer who had an amazing vinyl set. Um, I've been listening to her sets a lot since then. Um, in 2023, this year, I'd love to have like a similar experience where I kind of go in blind to a festival and just let the organizers take me on a journey. And on the wish list is definitely um, the Italian festival Terraforma. Um, I just feel like this festival is very mysterious to me. I don't, I'm usually not familiar with the artists on the lineup. Um, I haven't really spent a lot of time in Italy and I haven't seen a lot of content either from the festival, which to me means that people are really in the present, in the moment, not not filming, um, not posting about it, um, which to me is super appealing. Um, so, and they are really committed to the sustainability of the festival, to the restoration and reforestation of the area where the festival is held. Um, so, I would I would love to be there this year. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I would definitely like to join because Terraforma has always been very high up on my list as well. I think what I really love about their, their the way they organize it is that there's no overlapping programming. So every act happens um, separately and you know that means that you have a communal experience, right? Usually at a festival, you're running to different stages to catch everyone on your list, but at Terraforma, you go with the crowd together, which I thought was very cute. Uh, yeah, I would I would love to go with you. <laughs> um, I guess for me, I have two answers to the question. Sorry, I cheated. Um, one is retreat, which is a party that happens in a limestone cave in a mountain town in northern Vietnam. It's organized behind the team, um, behind Savage, which is a club in Hanoi. And so Savage has done about three big events in this cave 
it has a function one um, and it can hold up to 800 people, actually maybe 900 people, which is, you know, crazy. Caves have great acoustics. So just from, you know, an audio point of view, I'm really curious to hear what, um, you know, dubby techno and like low end frequencies sound in that space. Another event I've heard so much about and but just have never had the chance of going to is um, Karma Castle in Thailand. And so, as the name implies, this party takes place in a giant castle in southern Thailand. It is The castle is designed in the style of a hacienda, so it looks like a southern Spanish villa. And they always book local Thai artists with a range of styles. There's house music, there's disco, there's harder club music, and... It's just great. It's just like the festival we were talking about in Colombia, Luisa, because it's a chance for locals to have their own infrastructure and play for a local crowd, you know, which is just hard to get sometimes. And uh, yeah, there's just something about partying in a beautiful location, you know, like the music, the environment. It's very symbiotic, and I'd like to think they influence one another. So... Um, I hope we all get to go to these beautiful locations this year. <laughs> I was going to say that last year I was at Sustain Release. That was my first time at the festival. And I really enjoyed like, dancing uh, into the woods in, and having so much fun there. Because uh, here in Colombia, maybe the locations are more uh, rough. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Like, yeah. Uh, and in the middle of the city. So I really enjoy like parring um out there in nature no definitely um that's so that's so nice you want to sustain i've only been there once but it's true being in the woods it, it adds like a bit of mysticism <laughs> yeah definitely so for our next question i've asked you guys to think about an artist that you're really excited about this can be someone who had a big year in 2022 or you know someone new someone you just think is going to have a big year this year um would you like to go first natalie um, yeah, sure. So speaking of sustained release, this artist performed um, last year. I'm going to talk about Sansibar, who is a DJ, producer, musician um, from Finland. Um, this is an artist who just came up for me a lot of times throughout the year last year um, with a few releases. Um, starting off the year with a release on the Radiant Love uh, compilation volume three which was amazing. I really liked that release. Um, and then throughout the year, I just kept hearing tracks and remixes that would resonate, and it would always be a sense of our remix. And I thought, okay, I gotta go, I need to see this DJ. And um, one night in July, I was at Nowadays. Um, I actually, I went to see the Beautiful Swimmers because they're just amazing and super groovy. And I was with a couple friends. I made a lot of new friends on this night out. Um, had was just in a really good mood after the beautiful swimmers and then Sansibar got on the decks and I it, it was one of those sets that just it makes you stay way longer than you've planned because it was so good it was so energizing um just this whole this whole party was was really great um it was like the last night out in July um I don't know just really good energy and yeah his set was People, it's the kind of set where you just do dance with your entire body. You're like sore the next day. Like it was, it was really energizing. Um, and yeah, I think he had a really consistent year last year. He had a lot of gigs. Um, I think for me, this artist is someone who just constantly delivers. Um, and I'm really looking forward to see what he releases next, like this year. Um, 
He's already booked, I think, for Deck Mantle Selectors, and I'm sure he'll be at a lot of major festivals, and I think he's really on track to become uh, kind, of, kind of a legend, so we'll see. Exciting. Yeah, as far as I know, Sansibar is based in Helsinki, but he seems to travel and gig around quite a bit. We've reviewed some of his recent releases on Kalahari Oyster Club, and they've been great. It's very like dark, techno, electro, but also a lot of trance, mm -hmm. which is great because I think trance had a big year in 2022. So it's nice to see him like incorporate the euphoric elements of trance with like the darker, moodier bass lines. Um, yeah, very cool. What about you, Louisa? Who are you excited about at the moment? This question was difficult too, like, <laughs> I don't know where to start, but um, I'm gonna go with Amantra. Uh, she's a young DJ and producer from Venezuela uh, who lived many years in Colombia, but recently moved to Barcelona. But when I knew her uh, in the city, I, I think she was like so powerful. Like every time I saw one of her sets, uh, she took all of the traditional techno scenes by strike and showed passion through her selections. Um, I feel amazed by her development in the Colombian electronic music communities. And I know for sure that she's going to be big in Barcelona and Europe too. Uh, last year, she played alongside another amazing DJ called Sofia at the Boiler Room Edition at Medellin. And, and you should you you guys should look uh, their their set because it's it is amazing and she also released she has a mantra has like two uh music personalities a mantra and uma and with uma he released his her first uh, ep uh called memories can contrary memories that i have found um and i feel deeply connected with it's not it nostalgic sounds and how we can remember and connects with memories to it it's more like an ambient production and i really recommend it but he also um released an EP with uh, her name Amantra and she's currently working on music um, with DJ Baba, also a Venezuelan DJ, a big one, um, you should listen to him too and yeah, what's, that's what's coming out this year for, for her. Amazing, uh, you mentioned some very important names I know DJ Baba is like the pioneer of the genre yeah. called Raptor House. He was uh, in Colombia these last few months. Uh, he was playing at Medellin and Bogota. And I don't know, it blew my mind every time I, I see him because it's like uh, Dembow, Trans, Guaracha uh, and Raptor House. And, and he's like, yeah, he's one of the pioneers of this genre. For anyone unfamiliar with the genre, this is basically like ferocious party music that yeah. originated out of Caracas. And mm -hmm. it is just like, it's hard drum, it's high BPM, it's very fast. And it seems like it's been a very important part about like a part of all underground culture in Venezuela, whether it's like fashion or art, this seems like the soundtrack for it. I watched a great do documentary about it last year, which was... Um, called Vamos Palmatine, and it's directed by Roberto Lopez. Mm -hmm. It was very, really insightful, so anyone wanting to learn more about Raptor House or Changatoki, this is, that's the place for it. 
I know DJ Baba also released a compilation, sorry, an EP that, again, yeah, seems to be like the blueprint for the genre. Um, came out last year. Came out in 2020, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, highly recommended. He did a, a, a remix for uh, Nick Leon's Ecstasies, who, which is the, like, uh, summer track <laughs> everywhere around the world, I think. <laughs> so That's it's right, great. Yeah. yeah. Definitive tune of mm -hmm. 2022. Yeah. artist is a producer based in Jordan uh, who just made his debut on Hessel Audio late last year. His name is Tumba and um, his mixes and productions are just loaded with bass weight. It's a lot of halftime and his style kind of to me seems like a blend of Hessel Audio, Nervous Horizon and Niege Niege tapes. There's a lot of interesting drum work with you know, variations and styles that speak to different corners of club music around the world. There's a lot of footwork, there's a lot of gong, um, hip hop, there's a lot of Middle East folk rhythms. Um, you can hear bits of like wedding music, like Lebanese wedding music in the way that DJ Plead sometimes incorporates into his sets. Um, yeah, Tumba is generally, he his sets and his productions are made for the dance floor, but he's not afraid to experiment. So there's a lot of, like atmospheric textures and like moody breakdowns, um, a lot of distortion also. So if you like, you know, if you're into layered drums and percussive techno and just kind of deadly bass lines, I think Tumba is your guy. You can definitely see him at big festivals this year. towards our last question. Time has really flown by, guys. So to end things, I thought it would be nice to reflect deeper on any kinds of trends or, yeah, just big topics that you think are going to define electronic music this year. These can be a prediction that you might have or something you're concerned about. I'm just curious to yeah, see what you guys have been thinking about and how it's been shaping your opinions. Louisa, do you want to... Tell us what you've been thinking about. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so I was thinking about a recent debate that uh, Sean Renaldo brought out on his newsletter uh, last year. And this is the, the rise of the avatar DJs, you know. Uh, this, this issue about what music a DJ plays, uh, plays is far less important than who they are and, more importantly, what they represent. And so I've been a feminist activist in the electronic music scene uh, for seven years now. And this is kind of a debate uh, always makes me wonder about the gender gaps and imbalances because it obviously affects women and LGBTQ people in a significant way. Um, 
you know, because that need to be seen is different if you have to post a beautiful or gender passing picture and if the beauty standards in your community are fat phobic and racist and etc. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of concerned and I have a lot of questions about uh, how this uh, do the power relations and inequalities affect how DJs uh, like sell themselves in the industry and also like how um, despite of the predominance of representation through identities and you know this this whole thing about about like wokeness in our scenes um we're witnessing what uh, we're where we are witnessing like um a huge wave of representation but only based on beauty standards on and, and not in music we are uh, getting to know artists more of related with the likes on Instagram and their activities on social media, but we're kind of leaving the sounds and the music selections behind. So that is something that uh, I think we really have to think about this year because it's, uh, it's huge, especially for younger artists and producers. No, I, that's definitely a big thing because as you said, like having an avatar is different based on your gender and based on what kind of image you're trying to circulate in this industry. It's also like comes against this massive wave of gender violence we've seen in Latin America. I remember mm -hmm. last year there was a group of like all women DJ collectives came together to sign a statement, just sharing their stories about violence against women. Mm -hmm. um, I know one of those groups was uh, Los Rulos Vinyl Club in mm -hmm. Colombia. Yeah. Maybe you know about them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, when you're talking about structural sexism and things that are so deeply rooted, you would hope that technology can make some kind of, you know, progress in ad addressing these issues, but it might be counterproductive, you know, it might, I, yeah, I would hope that it places more attention on the music, but it could lead to lower engagement and clicks, you know, if people feel like they can't get a, an authentic representation of that artist based on this avatar, mm -hmm. so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how that works on, on your scenes, but um, here, uh, every, every time a DJ has a, a gig, they have to post a selfie or a photo of themselves, then the flyer, so Instagram uh, doesn't shadow ban it. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, the, the dreaded Instagram algorithm has been making DJs post some weird stuff last year like just almost like clickbait like please listen to my set here's a funny meme or something it's super strange <laughs> yeah. it's like actually really interesting I think this really was huge during the pandemic because a lot of people started doing live streams and then we just saw like massive amount of content on the internet and then it's it almost becomes it becomes harder to listen to all these sets and like you were saying sometimes people interact with a DJ without actually listening to their sets because there's there's so much out there now and you have access to so much content that it, it actually it is difficult to truly like genuinely keep up with with DJs that you like and sometimes you find yourself thinking you like a DJ because you identify with their identity and then you think oh I actually haven't seen this person DJ in a while I just remember their face or their vibe or yeah, it's super interesting. I think it's worth worth talking about in 2023 for sure. Um, I'm going to go next because I feel like what I've been thinking about kind of relates to this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about AI. You know, there's so many new softwares that have come out 
just last year recently that are all using AI for music production. So each of these, you know, do it differently, but one of them is um, Amy, Amy, not sure how to pronounce that, and um, a new system by Google, which is called Audio LM. So basically all of these platforms are, you know, their AI will learn from existing human-made recordings, whether it's melodies, whether it's uh, just recordings of instru instruments, um, bass, and their algorithm will basically then manipulate these human-made recordings. Um, they'll mix and match them together, and the goal is for this algorithm to create new music, right? And so I wonder what it means for an artist to have like this assistive technology be helping them make music, right? Because when you have an AI dipping into like a library of stems, right? Stems are the basic audio sources of a track, the drums, the melodies, the rhythm. And so when they're taking that and mixing and matching, you know, does it take away from the creative process? Does it take away from the magic? Um, I guess just based on the conversations I've had, I've seen more producers like treating AI just like as a production tool, you know, it's meant it's there to help. But I can't help but wonder what, yeah, how it's going to affect the actual music itself. Because when you hear, when you hear the actual AI-generated sound, which again, it's the sound is generated by mixing, matching, manipulating, and processing the human-made recordings. It doesn't always sound good, in my opinion. It kind of sounds boring. It kind of all sounds the same. It's a little experimental. It's I don't know, it seems to be lacking charisma, you know? And so, and then I wonder about AI's limitations and its ability to make a hit song, right? Because if the technology is still borrowing from these man-made stems from like a human recording, yeah, that makes me think it's not yet capable or it hasn't learned enough, I guess, from ex its existing library to make something as bouncy, as catchy as disco or something as euphoric and, you know, mind-bending as like trancy techno so yeah I will be um I hope I'm wrong and I hope that I'm proven wrong this year but so far I have just not been very impressed by AI generated music what about you Natalie what have you been thinking about um yeah that's just a touch on that that's horrifying in some ways but um we'll see how that unfolds I wanted to talk about all of the albums and news pieces last year that sparked debate around the ethics of, of sampling. Um, obviously, sampling is, is a huge part of electronic music, huge part of like many genres of music, and it's it's a it's a really great way to create like conversation through music, um, to appreciate like artists that you look up to. Um, it's like a, I think it's it's great. Like sampling, obviously, it's it's a good thing, but it, it can be a bad thing when when certain artists who are in who have less power um, get exploited. And I think we saw some of that this year. And I think the industry really needs to reconsider like how artists are are compensated in general. I think this is like a multifaceted kind of subject. Um, one news piece that really stuck out to me, maybe it's because I'm, I'm from Baltimore, but Drake's album and the samples in Drake's album that um, were, were not extremely credited, like I'm thinking of um, 
uh, Rai Rai and Blackstar's track Shake It to the Ground, which is kind of used in Drake's track um, Currents. And also that track is, it has a lot of club influences. It's got, um, apparently it's more inspired by Jersey Club. Um, the New York Times like podcast, um, podcast kind of digs into it with an expert from Baltimore. It's super interesting. If you're interested in the subject, I'd recommend uh, listening to that. But um, it's interesting when you, when huge artists like Drake are inspired by scenes such as Baltimore that are like historically under-resourced, um, like what it, what that kind of means and if the artist kind of maybe missed an opportunity to shine a light on some of those scenes. Um, and yeah, I think some smaller cities, they also, they, they're lacking venues, they're lacking spaces for those artists who live there um, to perform consistently. And I think that that's an issue. There's just, there's so much to unpack there. And, I, and for 2023, I hope to see some shifts in like compensation structures for artists. Um, yeah. That would that would be good. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, sampling has been such a major story the past few years. If you look at someone like Fortet, you know, he's in a position now where he really clears every sample before he releases it. And that's just something, again, when you get to that level of status as Fortet does, he's he has a responsibility and he knows his responsibility, especially when it comes to, you know, borrowing from localized scenes in distant countries, distant cultures. And I would just hope that, yeah, younger artists are paying attention to that. You know, obviously, when you're starting out and you're putting music on SoundCloud, you're definitely not looking up every sample you used. And, you know, that's fine. That's part of the creative process. But when you're releasing music on your own, yeah, I would hope that you're putting in the homework and really understanding the context also behind the sample and how it was used originally and what kind of changes you're making it now to make sure that you're respecting the culture of that. Also, a lot of conversations to be had around, you know, Beyonce and her Renaissance album and how it borrowed so much from ballroom culture. And yeah, I think a lot of people in the scene would have been grateful if she followed that up with some kind of contribution to, to New York or Chicago or any ballroom scene all over the world by maybe, I don't know, putting some money in behind the groups. Um, yeah, putting some money into the scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think that's... That's not a bad idea for a large artist. Say if an artist who has a huge platform is inspired by a local scene, then yeah, give give a donation to that scene, like help fund um, a space for for people who live there to perform and to collaborate. I think that'd be really that'd be really great. There's been so many great insights, guys, that we've touched on um, throughout this chat. We're going to have a bunch of links um, included in the podcast. So anyone interested in any of the topics or names we've discussed, you'll be able to find them online. Thank you so much for tuning in. And big thank you to Louisa and Natalie for joining me. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye. Thank you, Naishka. Thank you, Louisa. Thank you both. <laughs>